So we are in a series called The Organic Life, and what we've been talking about is, this fa- is the fact that as you give yourself over to Jesus as Lord of your life, and as the Holy Spirit empowers you and guides you and directs you and gives you gifts and gives you uh, a certain way that he's bent and shaped you, your life should manifest certain things. So uh, I showed a few weeks ago our garden um, that uh, basically through pruning and feeding, uh, these zucchini plants are really growing. I didn't bring, I'll bring another uh, picture next week, but they're just like exploding. And that's what a zucchini plant is supposed to do, right? If, if, I, if I did all that work and I didn't get any zucchinis, um, I'd, well, I'd just pull out the plant. And so that's just the fact of the matter. In the same way, when we give our lives over to Jesus, there should be uh, in our lives love, that's a fruit of the Spirit, joy, we're celebrating a month of joy this month, peace, last week I talked about patience, somebody uh, reached out to me and told me that patience was the longest sermon I'd preached this year, so uh, (laughs) you're welcome, it's all about application, ladies and gentlemen, all about application right? Love, joy, peace, patience. This week, we're going to be talking about kindness and goodness, and then faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are things that you're supposed to have, and the good news is, if you don't have them, it's okay. It's really simple to fix. We just either need to prune something out of our life, or we need to feed something in our life. So this morning, we're going to be talking about kindness and goodness, and uh, I wanted to bring up this picture uh, this is the uh, Uvalde shooting, and uh, just so we get this all, I am not second-guessing first responders. This has nothing to do with police officers or anything, okay? So just, let's just get that out of it. You'll see kind of where I'm going with this as we move along. But as the facts began to kind of unfold, uh, many people began to second-guess why weren't the first responders responding first? Why were they waiting? Why were they huddled together? Why were these things going on? They had just had, two months ago, training on being a first responder in a, in a shooting with a, with a live shooter. And the, the thing they tell you in that training is, even if you're the first on the scene, no matter what, engage the shooter. That's what you do. That's the training. Furthermore, they had body armor. Furthermore, they have a helmet, and they have walkie-talkies, and they have cameras, and they've got tasers, and they've got handcuffs, and they've got pepper spray, okay? They are decked out, and we look back, which is always easy, and again, I am not saying whatever. I don't know any of the details. All I know is that the people who could have done the most work were standing around. Maybe they were told to do that. Maybe, I don't know. That's way above my pay grade. I'm not a police officer. I'm too frightened. I just own that. I am scared most of the day. Okay, so I get it. I get it. But you do think to yourself, well, what's going on? Why weren't the people who were trained to respond not responding? The reason I bring this picture up because it reminded me of something. It reminded me of me. It reminded me of my spiritual journey. 
I grew up uh, in a uh, different part of Pasadena uh, where I essentially was a minority and uh, we didn't have any money. And uh, so for me, when I gave my life to Jesus, what I really liked was structure. What I really liked was system, what they call systematic theology. You read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you go verse by verse, you get it all down. And so my, and I praise God for that season of my life, okay? And so as I began to, uh, like I said, we, 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 we didn't have any money. I remember one time um, I opened the door and there's bags of groceries on our door, uh, right, on our porch. And my mom said, that is God providing for us. Somebody, I don't know who, bought groceries and placed them on our porch. And I always equate groceries with God providing for me. That was how I grew up. I was kind of on my own. My brother had left the house. My sister had gone to college and ultimately got married. And I was basically by myself. And I'm happy for that. No complaints or anything. But I I loved the theology because everything was right and wrong. Everything was black and white. And so I began to get my spiritual chops and learn information. And uh, I used to um, be able to uh, recite, I still can, but I used to be able to recite many, many, many verses growing up. I did a thing called Navigators. And for those of you who are uh, more um, experienced saints, uh, you probably remember that, Navigators. You go through the different books, you fill out all the, all the things. And I had a stack of books, First Timothy, Second Timothy. I went through the whole thing. One of the things that was odd to me uh, in the whole Uvalde police thing is they actually tased a dad. They, They tased somebody who was on their side. They handcuffed a mom. By the way, just real quick, I read this in the Wall Street Journal. Those capitalist swine. Anyway, uh... I, I read in the Wall Street Journal that the mom convinced the police to let, let her go, and then she snuck back out and went all the way around to the back of the school and let her kids out through the window, right? That's, that's an odd. Look, you know Lisa is like a real nice person. You mess with our kids. I mean, sure. Don't mess with the mom. But they're, they're tasing the wrong people. They're handcuffing the wrong people. I used to do that. I used to do that, and I'd call it doctrine. And I talked to other Christians, and I got really good at tasing other Christians. What, what do you believe? Why do you believe that? Don't you know that First Timothy, blip, 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 don't this, that, that? And I, as I grew up and I became a young man, all filled with testosterone and theology, what could possibly go wrong? And I had the body armor, and I had the helmet, and I had all the tactical gear of knowing about the Bible and knowing about the Calvinism and Arminianism and all this kind of stuff. And I wrapped my life, my relationship with Jesus in all this armor. But I wouldn't go in a building. I love talking to Christians. I love to, hey, well... What kind of uh, camera you got in the front there? Yeah, mine's a 4K, got the thing. What kind of, what are you packing there? Oh, yeah, New American Standard? Yeah, I, I used to do that, but now it's RSV, man. I used to know, right? So you're talking, yeah, you got all this stuff around the break room. I wouldn't go in a building. And then one day, uh, 
we were, we had, Lisa and I had a Bible study on our street, and um, uh, so the people on our street started coming to Christ, right? Which is great, because then I could just tell them all about theology and doctrine and just get them to navigate their sin. And so um, I, we, we were doing that, and one of them went to this church by my house. We were going to another church, very conservative, reformed church, uh, with people that looked like us, acted like us, was in the same socioeconomic level as us, and uh, that's where we were. And they were going to a church right down the street from us, and they asked me if they, I could come because they thought they wanted to make sure it wasn't a cult. <clears throat> it, it was. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> No, so I go to this church, right? The pastor cries, and I'm like, I'm out. I need, a, I need, I need structure. I need this and that. And you, you're like, you cried last week. It's not about me. Stop. Okay, anyway. And so I, I, I got into this situation, and I'm in this church, and I'm listening to the pastor, and what I was doing was critiquing his doctrine. It's so great. Good for you, John. You got all your gear on. But you're not going into any buildings. You're not doing anything other than talking about gear. This reminds me of me. And so one day, we're sitting in the front row. By the way, you're spiritual, you're spiritual, you're spiritual. The rest of you guys, I don't even know. But uh, we were in the front row or whatever, and the pastor comes up to me and says, hey, I need you to pray for people at the cross when it comes cross time. They have a time of prayer during the service. And I had this little vial of oil to anoint people with oil. And I'm like... Oh, boy. What, 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 what do I do with this? He's like, you pray for people. I read about that. I read about that. Oh, yeah, the, the effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Yes, okay. Okay, I got my gear, my gear. Do I have my gear? Yeah, I got all my gear. And I had to go to the cross and pray for someone. And they told me their story. And I was like, that can be somebody's story? It was horrible. I prayed for them. Then the pastor asked me if I want to lead a small group with my wife. And I'm like, shouldn't you know me and like vet me out for like 12 to 15 years like a surgeon, right? Like, like shouldn't you like wait until you know all my doctrine? He's like, man, this is a triage church and we need doctors. And so the first time we had a small group in our house, I opened the door and it's this dude with tattoos on his neck. Now for us nowadays, tattoos on your neck, who cares, right? But I'm telling you back in the day, that was a big deal, okay? All right, so I'm not just a, you know, anyway. But it says, mi loco vida. And so I, I opened the door and I'm like, come on into my house. The next person came in, uh, had a cocaine addiction, right? And I'm like, where's my gear? Where's my gear? I need my gear. I need my gear. My gear had no effectiveness at all when you get into the messiness of getting involved in people's lives. When the training's over and it's time to be a first responder. So what I want to talk about this morning is a section of scripture that I have this little rule, it's a dumb rule, but if I preach a, a, a section of scripture, I don't preach it for three years because I know that you memorize all my sermons and just, you're still, it takes about three years to really get what I was trying, no, I'm kidding. I just have this stupid rule, right? I preached this October 2020, so it was like 18 months ago or whatever. I, I don't care because I think what Jesus is trying to get across here is exactly what we should be seeing when it comes to the 
fruit, the organic life, the fruit of kindness and goodness. Preparedness is not a fruit of the Spirit. So here's what happens, just to give you a little bit of background real quick. Uh, uh, I've mentioned this before. In rabbi, with rabbis, they have kind of little schools. So the Pharisees would have different schools of theology, much like we have denominations now. And they would challenge each other, unfortunately, much like what we do now. Some people's full-time ministry is to attack and challenge all the different churches around. Again, trust me, I know what that feels like. It feels like righteousness, because I used to do it, okay? I was loaded for bear on any topic in theology you want uh, to engage in. And so this is what would happen. And so a guy comes to Jesus, and if you're into big theological things, this is called a challenge and repost. And so uh, think of it as like a tweet uh, argument. You know, you tweet out, you, you reference somebody, and then they respond, and then everybody gets involved, and it's um, obnoxious. But this is what they would do. And so a person comes up to Jesus and challenges Jesus. If you don't remember anything from this morning, remember this. Do not challenge Jesus. Okay, here's what happens. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, that's a big statement. What must I do? I've memorized the Bible. Here's what it says. You take them down the Romans road. First, let them know that they're a sinner. Uh, they must turn from their sin, accept Jesus as their personal Savior. Once they do that, then they start the road of sanctification. And in eternity, you spend uh, life either with Jesus or the devil. And that's the Romans road, the whatever, scarlet thread of redemption, all those things, right? So Jesus could have answered that way. He could have. Right? What must I do to inherit eternal life? But Jesus... Being the master that he is, as that one rabbi goes like this, Jesus just says, and is coming back. He's ready to go. What is written in the law? How do you read it? Uh-oh, now the tables have turned. Well, this guy's ready because he's got his helmet on and his body armor on. And he's got his camera and his gun and his pepper spray and his handcuffs and everything ready. Taser, ready to go. Right? Here's what he says. Oh, he, I'll bet he was excited because he didn't know that you're not supposed to test Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. There you go. All right? Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Great job. Do this and you will live. Have a nice day. It was great talking to you. We're going to go heal some people. Right? Ah. But he wanted to justify himself. He wanted to talk about why he carries the Bible he has, why he believes what he believes, why anyone who would believe any different is a heretic or this or that. He wants to win. He wants to win. So he says, uh, so who's my neighbor? Oh, man. So here's how Jesus replies. Now pay attention to the context. What was the question? How do I inherit eternal life? That is an information question that is asking for information. 
Here's how Jesus responds. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were this guy, I'd be like, oh man, I just stepped in it. Because he's probably seen Jesus tear up some other people in the past. And he's probably like, no, 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 I got this. I got the, lo- the whole, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, I got that. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm, I'm ready. And Jesus starts with a, a, a parable. And he's like, oh, this is going to hurt. Okay. When he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him, which would be incredibly shameful. It would be shameful for us today. Even back then, more and more shameful. They stripped him of his clothes and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. I don't know what half dead is, but it's probably not good. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And you think, oh, this guy's prepared. He's got all the things ready to be a first responder. He's got a relationship with God. He's probably from the time he was little, he's been reading the Old Testament. He knows the verse in Exodus that says when your enemy has a mule that falls in a ditch, you you help the enemy with the mule. Like, he knows all this stuff. He knows everything. He passed on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, oh, man, it's hard for me to explain. Okay, so we're coming up to another election. I don't know if you knew that. I'm super excited. I love leading congregations through elections. It's what I went to seminary for. So life-giving to me. Anywho, uh, so we're coming up to another election. And, you know, people put in their signs, right? That shows everybody what they believe and why they believe and all this kind of stuff. So you are driving around, and I'm not going to pick anybody out. Like I say, almost all the time, we're about half Republican, half Democrat here. We hide it from each other, which I think is fantastic. But, uh, you know, in the, in, in the back rooms when you're reading your articles and all that kind of stuff, you know where you stand. And so you'll see a, uh, a, a lawn sign with somebody's name on it. And you're like, I would love to take that lawn sign out and burn it. That person is evil. That person kicks puppies. I'm almost positive of it, like you, you know. This is what Jesus is doing. He put down a lawn sign and said, I'm voting Samaritan. And all of his listeners would have been like, what are you doing? It would be like me, someone putting a Raiders sign in my front yard, okay? Something like that. That's just a bad joke. But a Samaritan, listen, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and he saw him. When he saw him, when he looked at the need. Now, you have to understand, if you've ever been marginalized in your life, or you grew up marginalized, or whatever it is, you know what this is like. Because let's say he's helping this Jew, and the Jew wakes up. The Jew, from the time he was little, has been calling that dude a dog. It was the most racially tensioned. Samaritans and Jews, Jews would walk around their whole neighborhood because they were dirty and gross. He called a dog. Now, if that Jew wakes up and sees this dirty dog helping, he might think that that guy was the guy that's trying to rob him. He might be misunderstood. This guy has every reason to just do what the priest did, 
and what the Levite did. Here's the thing about the priest and Levite, just so you don't throw them under the bus. Their doctrine was impeccable. If that priest touched that Jew and the Jew was dead, then the priest would become unclean and couldn't perform his priestly duties. So according to the letter of the law, according to all the gear that he had on, according to his training, you don't touch somebody who's dead. Then you become unclean. So he was just doing basically what he'd been taught to do in priest school. This Samaritan comes up and he sees him. And he could, what if he's helping the guy and some more Jews come and go, why are you on that guy? You say, well, that never happens. You've never been marginalized. He came to where the man was and he saw him. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came. He took pity on him. Pity breaks all the rules. Pity breaks your doctrine down. Pity breaks all your political stuff and throws it in the trash. Pity has you listen. Pity has you present. Pity has you engaged. That's what pity does. Pity isn't just what I do when I'm watching television and the puppies come on from the shelter and I'm like, oh, that makes me sad. And, you know, back to ESPN. I, know, no, I didn't see anything. I didn't see any puppies, right? That's not pity. I mean, it's kind of pity. Not like this. This is heartfelt, wrenching, I want to hear your story pity. This isn't, why do you believe what you believe? This is what happened to you. This isn't what's wrong with you. This is, tell me about your family of origin. Tell me why you believe what you believe. This is pity in action. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And guess whose oil and wine it was? The guy who was prepared. Not the guy who was just robbed. So now he's prepared. He's got everything. He's, talk, he's helping this dude who basically calls him a dog. And he's using his own resources. Let me tell you something. Just on aside, this is one of the things I, I feel like in this sermon I'm preaching to the choir. Okay? Because you guys are really good at this. Okay? But I just have to keep this on the forefront of our minds. And so he helps him with his own part. Then this is what he does. This, is, this gets me every time. Then he took the man and put him on his own donkey. Okay. I don't know how big the man was. I don't know if he's like six foot or five foot or whatever. But you take a, 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 a dude, just any man who's just not helping, and you get him on your donkey do you know what that means? You embrace him. You embrace him. It's the only way to get him on the donkey, unless you have a really well-trained donkey, okay, that can somehow, whoop, you know, I don't know, whatever. You have to embrace this man that you don't know, you don't like, is other than you. What's driving him? Pity, opportunity, he grabs him. I don't know how. I guess I would grab him and just kind of like throw him over my shoulder and then put him on the donkey, I guess, is what I'd try to do. The reason this is so important is this is a story Jesus made up. 
So it's really important that we pay attention to these things. So he puts him on his own donkey, which means, where's the guy? He's walking. He's walking. Don't be that so proud of yourself. He's walking. <laughs> they were all going to say it. All right, I'll just play with you. Right? He's, he's walking. He was prepared with his own oil and wine and bandages. He had his own means of transportation, and he stops it all. Remember the question? What must I do to inherit eternal life? What does it mean to operate in the supernatural, to operate in the spiritual, to be not in the world, not of the world, but just in it? What what does that mean to, to have this faith and to have all these tools of the Holy Spirit and Scripture and prayer and community that we have together? What does that mean to inherit that? It means stopping, taking pity. It means expense. It means being messy. It's messy to be a first responder. The next day, so he spent the night with this guy. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. So now he's taking his own money and he's risking his own money and with not like an outcome. Like, look, here's 200 bucks. After that, it's on you. No, no, no. Like, what if he's at a Marriott and the, he wants a spa treatment? I don't know. Like, suppose the Samaritan comes back and the Jew's got these two cucumbers on his eyes. He's like, ah, this is the best, man. Thanks. You're like, I didn't pay for a massage, right? No matter. No matter. I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of the three do you think was a neighbor to the man? In other words... What do I need to do to inherit an eternal life? Well, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So in other words, be prepared. Understand the word. Understand what it's like to pray. Take care of people and love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, okay, who's my neighbor? This guy. Jesus is giving you the key. The key to living out your faith is kindness. It is a fruit of the spirit. And let me just give you a little hint. Fruit isn't it doesn't do any good sitting on the tree. It looks beautiful, and then it rots, and it falls to the ground, and it's good for nothing. Fruit is made to be picked and to be handed out. Kindness is made to be plucked and to be given out. The expert in the law, listen to this, can't even say the word Samaritan. Don't even want to say it. The one... You know, that one guy, the last guy, the guy with the donkey, that guy. You mean the Samaritan? Yeah. Jesus told him, go and do. Go and do. Go and do. Go and do likewise. Remember the question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? The answer is go and do. You want to experience Jesus in a whole new way? Go and do. Be kind. 
what ended up happening is I stayed at that church uh, for 10 years, and then uh, I, I, I went into ministry from there. I launched in the ministry from there. And uh, this isn't about me, okay? But I took a massive pay cut to do that. And listen to me. This is really, really important. Do you know the image that came into my mind when I had to take that pay cut? The groceries. It was the groceries. I'm not kidding. Those groceries... There was a time at, in Living Spring when we were really hurting financially and we were trying to figure, you know, it's like any church, you go through ups and downs and all those types of things. That's why we're so thankful for those who give and help us sustain the ministry that we have in our neighborhood and surrounding communities. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I know how hard it is to give of your money like that. But when we've gone through some difficult times, the Lord brings back those groceries. Do you know who put those groceries on my porch? I don't either. But can you imagine if God places in your heart, hey, give that person a phone call, send them a text, buy them some groceries, take them to the, take them to the uh, grocery store, or do this or do that, or give that guy $5. Well, what if he spends it on alcohol? Look, you spend it on alcohol, okay? So, you know, uh, just, just do something kind, right? You never know. You never know. I'll tell you one other quick story. I was, uh, like I said, we didn't have any money, and I wanted to join Little League. And so we could pay for Little League, but I couldn't pay for any of my equipment, bat, ball, glove. I really needed a glove. And so we went to kind of a kickoff. And um, I was 12, and I didn't have a glove, and everybody's there. And it's kind of like a hype thing, and they had a raffle. And the raffle had a baseball glove in it. That somebody donated, some random person. And I remember praying, Jesus, probably didn't say Jesus, probably just said, God, I need that glove so bad. I had my raffle ticket. I won the raffle. Okay, now listen, hold on, because it doesn't mean if you pray for a Tesla, you're not going to get it. <laughs> if anyone would get it from prayer, it would be a pastor, okay? <laughs> I'm a professional Christian, okay? I know how to pray. All right. I still have that baseball glove in my garage. Why? Because somebody was kind. And it began to light in me, you know what? Maybe somebody is on my side. Maybe God does care about me. Here's how I want to end. And this is for all of us. Therefore, as God's chosen people, that's you and I. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is you. This is your identity. You're on the force, okay? The Christian force or whatever, police force, whatever you want to call it. Blah, blah, blah. First responder. You are God's chosen people, holy and beloved. It says, clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves. This Greek word for clothe is to settle into a garment. So I have this. This was, uh, somebody let me borrow this. Uh, like I said, I, I, I couldn't do it. But it's body armor. I won't put this on there because I won't be able to get out of it. You guys will be, be trying to help me. But the idea is this. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to settle in. I'm protected. Now I can go to work. 
Now I can go to work. Since, therefore, as God's chosen people, you have the identity, you have the position, holy and dearly beloved, settle into your garment. What's the garment? Is it doctrine? Can I tase a Baptist because they believe what they believe? Can I go after other Christians? What's the garment? Is it theology? Is it knowing the Bible? Is it being a perfect Christian? What's, what's my protection? Compassion is your protection. That's what allows you to run into the building. Compassion. Kindness is your protection. That's how you're identified. Humility. If you have these things, you can rush into any situation. If it's not about me, if it's not about my protection, it's not about my doctrine, getting everything perfectly figured out, trust me, those things are important. Do that. But if you can't get to a place in your doctrine where you're ready to drop it all and be kind, then your fruit isn't kindness. Gentleness and patience. As the worship band comes back up, I'm going to take this off because, quite honestly, I'm not worthy enough <laughs> to do that. Here's what Jesus says to all of us You're the light of the world. We're it, guys. We're it. Whether we like it or not, we're the first responders. And our first response isn't information. It's not training. It's not equipment. It's transformation. It's taking what we know and applying it. A city on a hill can't be hidden. You can't hide as a follower of Jesus. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, listen, let your light shine before men that they may see your good doctrine. That they may see that you've got it all figured out. No. No. That they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. He says it later on this way. If any of you gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, we just bless these little disciples that are here. But you do anything for them. You give them a hug. You, you, you volunteer for one Sunday in children's ministry. This is what Jesus is saying. Truly, I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. One last one. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. There's lots of stuff that we have going on at Living Spring. Um, during the summer, we're doing these Friday hang times that we're doing with the kids in the neighborhood. You can volunteer for that. It is so easy to pick the fruit of kindness. It's so easy. Anything, anything. You, you're on the freeway, and you let someone cut in, you just pick the fruit of, you did it. You did it. You pray for someone, you text someone, I was thinking about you today. I want you to know you're loved. Oh, 
God loves that stuff. It's so easy. You don't have to transform the world. Just transform yours. That's it. Just so we're clear, <laughs> gaining knowledge and study and all that is so important. It's so important to keep learning, to keep staying in the Word, all those things. But if the fruit is like it was in my life, arrogance, there's something wrong. If the fruit is kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, you're on the right track. Now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in his strength, in his peace, in his joy, and in his courage. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.